you know, it was snowing off and on kind of like here in Bandon today where like you could see it falling from the sky and it land on the ground and like pretty much melt. So what was it like up at your house? Uh, pretty much the same, except there's waves of hail and then heavy, you know, uh, pot-sized snowflakes. And, well, we end up with about three inches and we're expecting to actually start snowing tonight. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of hide out. You're not going to get on your bike and go for a ride in the morning? Oh, hell no. No, no. I might. I might. I'm going to see what the snow looks like in the morning, but we've been getting... It ain't going to be like the snow at all. <laughs> no. We've been getting uh, quite a bit of hail off and on. And this morning, you know, there was slush all over the ground. So it's just crazy to see it. Pedal up that hill. It'll be worth the thrill. If you got the power of will to bike and camp and chill. the perfect ocean environment so the rain comes in whoosh then stops whoosh like waves right and so does the hail hail stop hail stop you know it's like uh i went into bandon this morning and uh you know the sun was out and the snow was melting when i got in the truck and before, when i got to the top of the hill it was hailing so hard i had to pull over and let it kind of stop so i can you know stay on the road all the sirens are going south for probably something like that. Somebody driving me this time. No, no, it's been it's been pretty wild, and uh, you guys might have noticed my background has changed because I'm living on the southern Oregon coast now as well. Joining the party over here, I'm now in Coos Bay. Just moved a couple weeks ago from Eugene, and winter's hitting hard. It looks like we might get snow tonight i i just saw it coming down i was getting a weather alert winter weather alert saying it was saying out what elevation are you at at your place again i think i'm about 900 feet but you have to go over 1200 feet and then drop back down into where i'm at yeah i think it said like 500 feet and above yeah you might get like 10 inches of snow tonight. so like right now right now outside the shop it's a little bit of flurries i can see i can see it just kind of yeah. Shit. I thought I left fucking where I was at to get away from this kind of crap. Wait a minute. I think it's kind of cool getting some snow here and there. And you wouldn't think that you'd be getting it out here on the coast, but I think that's what people need to realize is this coast, it's pretty mountainous. Well, yeah. And, and since I've lived here, it's been about one time a year for like a, like a few day period where you kind of have it a little bit of snow and stuff. And then it's just that. I'm just ready for winter to be done with. Yep, just completely be done with it. Let's get to spring, get to summer, get to having fun. Fighting weather. One thing for listeners to take note of, this entire winter, we've still been planning rides and doing rides. And then every now and then we're like, okay, it's not looking too good and we'll kind of cancel plans. But we still are trying to get out there and do stuff. And what do you think? 50-50, we've been kind of making it happen? Well, Pretty much. Yeah. We canceled this weekend, did a bike packing trip planned this weekend, and we canceled it because of where it's at is definitely 
you know, snowed in where they're not plowing roads and stuff, right? So not going to happen. But, uh, man, I'm just ready to be warm on a ride, you know? It's tough to get out there and go start climbing or go start doing something first thing in the morning when you're freezing. So, but yep, we've been still doing it. And, uh, yeah, it sucks. It's a day ride versus an overnight or a multi day camping ride. Totally different. Yeah. Al's froze. Was fine until you back, Al? I'm back. Oh, you guys look like you froze up. It was, you, you look like you froze up. Well, it's it fine. Be, uh, we got a storm coming. I think we made that clear. So it might be a little spotty, but um, as see, far as we know, problem? it's still working. And also, too, I'm, for Al, Elon Musk lives in the Bay Area. Okay? He doesn't and, know how to uh, deal with snow on my dish. No, he needs to figure out some snow internet. Yeah, you need the snow link, not the star link. Yeah. Yeah. Teach the squirrels how to plow that thing. Well, this is the beer I got. Thanks to you, Al. I don't drink IPAs that much. This one's not too bad. But, uh, you know, this was our celebration after finishing last weekend's race, Gira de Langlois. Should we talk a bit about how that went? I, I will say this about the beers. Those beers murdered me. I didn't murder them. I came home and had to take a nap. I think it might have been the ride. Had something to do with that. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, so, Michael, why don't you give a a recap on the route specifically? I know this is a route and a race that you've done before, but it changed a little bit where this included Blacklock this time. So uh, let's give a rundown of that. The Giro de Langlois is kind of a creation that I came up with. um, In Langlois is a place where Al lives and a place we ride a lot at. It's like, you know, I don't know, 14 miles south or something. Um, it has three real main cycling routes. It has the main town, it has Langlois Mountain and back, Flores Creek Road and back, and Flores Lake, which also has the Black Lock Trails attached to it and back. So it's like three out and backs. And so the first time or two we did it, we just did it as like a, hey, you want to see a crazy route? Let's do all three routes without the Black Lock Trails and uh, make it a race. You know, you got to go for it. And so, um, you know, we did that and that's all cool. So I decided, hey, let's make it harder and add on Black Lock Trails. Now, the Giro de Langlois is 54 miles, just under 5,000 feet or something like that. Um, And it Langlois Mountain Road, you start in the flat ground and you ride like a half a mile and then it's just climb. And you have basically this. 10 mile is it 10 miles now i did right at 10 miles from the library yeah yeah so about 10 miles of some big climbs with some downhills and some other climbs and then you end it with just this like hit the wall straight elevator yeah yeah for i don't know farther than i want to go but you just climb this like climb to the top just to end and then turn around and haul ass right back down that and you come all the way back but like in a race type of setting um, you get sweaty on the way up and then you go bombing down and you're going to be cold, right? So it's it's harder in more ways than just pedaling up the hill. So anyways, that's a big ride. That's 20 miles, 3,000 feet already. Then you turn and you hit Flores Creek Road. You go all the way up that, that's another climb, not as big. 
turns into gravel. You got some gravel downhills and climbs, and you turn around, you come back out of that. And then you head out to Flores Lake, and you kind of go into it with this mindset of, ooh, finally, I'm out of the hills. I can not work as hard. And then all of a sudden, you get out in these open straits that are in farmland along the coast. <clears throat> Wind just barreling through it. Um, okay, I'm out to Flores Lake. And you get to Flores Lake, and now you got, I don't know, a m- half a mile, three quarters of a mile or something. Hike a bike in the sand along the lakeshore to a... The whole this system right there, I think, is what nine miles around or something. Nine mile loop, yeah, eight and a half maybe, yeah. Yeah, eight and a half mile loop of two sand hike bikes and a single track trail system that's just full of roots and debris and all kinds of crap and people on horses and it's just you know it's fun but it's not ideal all the time. And so totally, totally different riding though. <laughs> yeah, and then you but time that point though you're tired. Right. And so you get all the way done with that. And then now you have to go back into that wind out of there and back to Langlois. Now, for me. Like four miles into it, my bike broke. And so I didn't have to do any of that stuff. I had to walk a short uphill and then coast some bombing down with no chain, go to my truck, get changed, get nice and cozy. And then I decided I'll just follow these guys around and get them on camera and stuff and find Al and find Dallas and keep finding them all over the place. And yeah. So next time I'm coming for you. We'll have to put together a lot of that footage and make a video out of it. But I would say, I I think it's, you know, I I think there was some debate between you two on adding the black log trails at the end of it because before it wasn't that. And I think that makes it all all the more of an all-terrain kind of race because i think that's what people would anyone that's going to try to do this route okay i got mostly paved climbs let's say oh but then i have some gravel oh but then at the end of it i'm gonna have to hike a bike through sand ride rudy single track um you know go through all this stuff so it it definitely you know gives a totally different experience and it's interesting that you kind of see all those different um forms of riding and you don't really expect on the very tail end of it to suddenly be in a totally different environment like that with tons of wind hitting you, you're exposed to the sun, you're hiking through sand. And so, you know, if you were just like, oh, this is mostly paved and you took, you know, the bike that you might usually do that kind of a race on, um, that's not necessarily going to be what you want. But I mean, Al, you you had what what tires did you use on yours? I mean, I was so surprised you were able to do, you know, you definitely had the fastest time. You beat me by like an hour and a half. And uh, were those forty two millimeter tires? I think they're right at forty two. They're yeah. and, and <clears throat> I was an upright, more gravel gravel bike uh, because the majority of <clears throat> the ride was suited for that bike. Um, and and I divide the whole ride in into half. At the first forty two miles, is road with some gravel, and then the other half was getting around that lake and trying not to die on the the, the trail system because that's my yeah. weak point in the in, anyway. So. I think Al made the decision too that he was going to use a faster bike for the majority of the ride and then do a lot more hike biking. Yeah, in, in the single track. And I would say it seems like a lot of that was 
Definitely. You're definitely picking up your bike a lot. So it kind of made me think of like a cyclocross situation. You're there. There's some sections where you're just like, yeah, maybe this is rideable, but I'm not really going to risk it. Um, and then there's like downed logs and things like that. Uh, for me, the worst part was going through like the horse trails where there's all this down debris and the trail of sticks. Yeah. Just trail of sticks and everything. And I was just waiting for one of those branches to, you know, go right into my derailleur or something. And I was surprised I didn't have any issues with that. I had to stop four or five times and pull sticks out of spokes and out of my, my cassette and stuff just to continue on through there. Yeah. When we went, we went and put out a marker stake the day before the ride to mark one of the turnarounds. I had to stop on that ride to like pull sticks out of my uh, derailleur. But uh, to get back to it real quick, um, we did add black lock point on for this year. Because um, most of my rides throughout the year are geared towards general adventure cycling, not really competitive, right? Like we're, we're, we're making rest stops, we're waiting for each other, we're, we're just having fun, right? But I wanted to do something that was challenging, right? Other than just having fun, long, big ride challenges, but like a race type of thing. Um, so we've done the Giro de Langlois, the old version of the Giro de Langlois numerous times, and it's just not hard enough. Like, it's a hard ride. It's a long day, but it's not like I was trying to intentionally make routes that are like right on the edge of doable. And I'm going to give up because this is just getting too hard. Right. Um, Just to kind of make it be hard. So I don't know. You guys did it. Do you think it's good to do or what? I mean, I I think Al would agree with this is that we were ready for a challenge. Like there's times when you're you know, you're obviously have something in mind that you're training for, or it's winter time. So maybe you're not riding as much. And luckily the weather was great during this ride. I think it was like in the forties and sunny the whole time. So, I mean, it was actually the best it could be in February. Um, but I was ready for a all day hard, a challenging ride. I think I, I needed that. And when you've done enough of the kind of rides that we do, like at some point you're, you're wanting to put in the work and like, have something like that that you can um you know just feel like at the end of it hey i crushed that and i'm i'm still here and still standing and i did better than i thought i would what was your time seven hours 34 minutes 35 seconds what was yours al i ended up at six hours three minutes and 59 seconds yeah what was fun about this was, you know, we've planned this out for a while. And in the last three months, we've really planning on it. Right. And so, you know, Al is like probably training on it harder than any of us because I was just riding normal and going to work and stuff. And Al's like out there riding the mountain to see what his best times are and da da da. And he works it all out. And I'm making fun of him because he's got a spreadsheet going and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, you got all these numbers and all this crap, like, blah, blah, blah. I tell him, hey, uh, realistically, what do you think your time is going to be? Like, not bullshitting me, like, trying to be competitive. Like, what do you really think your time is going to be? And he's like, I'm going to come in at, like, we left about 8 o'clock in the morning. He goes, I'll be done at 2, 2.30, call it 2.15. So, because I... DQ'd out of the race, I was able to ride all around and, and get a videos of them and stuff. And so I was able to get to the end when Al's coming into the end and got him on videotape and I watched him right at the end. 214. 
two fourteen in the afternoon is right when he was done, and he tells me two fifteen. <laughs> wow. I think he did the race just to stay true to the spreadsheet. I mean, he could have been more precise. You know, he said two fifteen, and it was two fourteen. So, I mean, you got some work. You put him in a race mode. He'll tell you the exact damn time. We go on ride some adventure ride. Hey, Al, how far is it to the next top of the hill? Ah, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, a turn or two. 14 and a half turns later, you know, 3,000 feet, and we're at the top of the hill. So I don't understand how he fucks it all up when we're adventure riding. But when he gets in a race mode, it's all perfect. And we're always almost to the top. Yeah. Almost. Yep. I, I can't even ask you guys those kind of questions anymore because I never believe you. I mean... It's always like, oh, yeah, another mile. And I'm like, yeah, the typical cliche. But I usually think you're being serious. And then I realize you weren't serious at all. And it's like. It's a Curry County mile. Yeah. Most of the time, I think it's a half a mile longer. I think it's a mile longer. It's almost like you don't want to spoil it for me. So I get it. The problem is, is a lot of the turns on some of the places out there look just like a turn a mile ago. Right. And so you're like, uh. You know, I'm trying to rethink the last time we rode this route. Uh, I'm pretty sure this waterfall right here was like a turn and there's like some log sticking out. And that's the end right there, right? Yeah. Well, like when we were climbing up, Dallas, remember on, on, uh, yes. on uh, the Sixes Elk Loop, we were talking about, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's this next turn. Like it really, I really thought it was though. I, I saw the turn. I was like, oh yeah, that's the, that's the, the top right there. Or not the top, but like the plateau area. We could take a break. And um, no, <laughs> it was a while. So what I would say with this race and Al, I'd be curious your most memorable moments from the race. But I, what I actually found pretty fun and are two of my most memorable uh, moments during the race were just interactions with people when they see you doing this. And so I thought it was pretty cool when I was out on Langlois Mountain coming back and I see this minivan up ahead and i see these two girls little girls like sticking their head out waving at me and at first i think they're like trying to like flag me down or like tell me something because i wasn't expecting that and then as i go by they're like cheering me on like you got this and then and then the dad's in the driver's seat like great work dude and and he had like binoculars like they were looking out at the viewpoint but then they saw me and they they had probably just driven up this huge ass mountain road and and realized i'm out there biking it and so they were actually like you know cheering me on they didn't even have any idea i was even doing a race they just saw me you know no no they did they did they did did. it was a gray minivan with like a roof rack or something on top i think so like a dark gray like an odyssey or something i talked to him actually um so yeah i talked to him at one point and they were uh i had my bike broken and i was just kind of walking it or doing something right and um, they actually pulled over to ask if I needed help. And I said, no, I'm fine. Da, 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 I'm going to coast down. And I kind of explained what was going on up here. So I was, I was trying to tell them, like, watch out. There's other cyclists up here. Right. And uh, I told them what was going on. And, yeah, they're probably like, what the fuck? These guys are crazy. Yeah. Well, what was your second one? So my second one was when I was doing the Blacklock Trails and I came across these three ladies on horses. And... Again, just seeing their reaction because I'm like biking through there and it was the last thing they expected to see based on their reaction. Um, And they're like, wait, where did you come from? Are you going back this way or did you just start riding out from the other way? And I kind of explain, oh, we're doing a race. And and 
they were just like, wait, what? There's more of you doing this? <laughs> and I just said, yeah, I'm probably the last one. They just thought it was crazy when I said how far we were going, what we were doing. Then they offered me some wine. Then uh, we actually ran into them when we were at the market. So I thought that was hilarious. But just seeing these people's reactions where they see you doing something crazy like this and all of the reactions were like, oh, hell yeah. Like, and kind of cheering you on or like kind of definitely having a positive reaction and, and kind of just surprised that you're doing it. But like, they all seem supportive. So I just thought that was cool to have those kind of interactions. And I think, you know, when you're out biking, doing stuff like that, you're, you're going to have those kind of interactions. But when you're doing an all day thing, uh, I think you're more likely to have, you know, multiple interactions throughout the day. Um, so yeah, I thought that was just a fun thing to see along the way. What was Al's highlights? I was at my, my two events was, uh, right at the, um, turnaround point on the Flores Creek. We cross, we cross a bridge. And, uh, when I got there, uh, there's a couple guys driving around fishing poles, sticking out the back, looking like they're trying to figure out how to get down to the, the Creek and fish. Uh, so I made the turnaround and came back and they were getting out of the truck. And that's what I told them. Uh, and they're kind of looking at me like, you know, this bike's kind of a long way from home. And I said, Hey, when you see other cyclists, tell them they suck. You know, and I kept on going. <laughs> and I bet they were laughing at me as I left because I thought, you know, uh, that, that gives them something to look for cyclists out there. Yeah. I was and trying to the, stir up hecklers. Yeah. <laughs> Man. And imagine if they would have actually said that to me when I went by, if they just yelled, you suck at me. Like I would have been so thrown off. Like I had two good interactions and one really bad one. Yeah. Dallas is just like going to go in his head. Like, why are these guys yelling at me? Like, what the fuck? I would I do, you know? And I went pretty darn hard on the, uh, the road portion of it because I knew that's where I was going to be strongest. Um, uh, and right as I entered the Blacklock Trail system, I was behind of a family of four that were barely walking. And as I came up behind them, and finally somebody looked around and was like, oh, oh, let's get out of your way. I said, no, you're doing fine. I said, you're giving me a good excuse to walk slow because <laughs> I'm, I'm so tired, I can hardly move. <laughs> so uh, they eventually let me pass, and I had to get on the bike and ride it through there. But, but yeah, it was... Uh, that everybody I came to was, you know, A, I didn't startle them. Uh, uh, the interaction, they were startled more be, just that there's somebody else out there yeah. versus, you know, somebody on a bike. I'm really surprised with your whole race mentality on this that you didn't come up behind them like, hey, you know, cyclists coming up or, or do something to like get their attention earlier. That was right in that real rooty section yeah. that um, I didn't want to ride because the last time I tried to ride it, I fell down a few times. So um, yeah. being off the bike, walking it then was not a bad idea. I'll give you my highlights of the ride, okay? Of you guys riding, I mean. Um, so my two highlights for the ride is I've been seeing you both kind of, I've been trying to go between you both throughout the ride. So you're both at different spots and I've been seeing you both. Most of the time, the first initial times I'm seeing Dallas, he's looking like he's hurt. Right. I mean, he's going and he's not looking like he's going to give up, but you could tell he's working. Right. When I see Al, he's just like, it's a fucking Sunday morning cruise and just, but he's hauling ass. I'm like, okay, this guy. Right. I, I, didn't, I did not expect anything different from that. But now here's the highlights. I expected to see Dallas coming into Flores. I was waiting at Flores Lake to see Dallas coming in and Al coming out. I expected to see Dallas in mode like, fuck this shit. Right. And I expected to see Al in 
you know, like, hurrah, I'm the champion of the cycling world, you know? But Dallas's mode was different by the time he got to Flores Lake, and he was actually excited to go out through the lake and the trails. It was like, fuck yeah, I've been waiting to get right here. This is the best part for me. This is like my highlight, right? Which is great. That's one of my first highlight. Second highlight is Al goes in race mode all day long. I don't even have time to talk for the camera. Dallas is taking breaks and talking to girls on horses and drinking wine and, you know, doing all this stuff. And Al is just like, yeah, fuck that shit. I got to ride, you know? He goes for it. So when Al comes out of Flores Lake, he looks whooped. He looks beat down. He's definitely not in an attitude of like, you know, I want to ride this bike anymore. He's just like, was- fuck, man. Like, Four more fucking miles, and I am done with this shit. And uh, it was great. I was glad to see Al hurting a little bit, and I was oh glad to see Dallas not hurting a little bit. I watched I watch Dallas come across that bridge. I'm like, I know I did not look that good. He was grinning. Yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah. Ooh. And I was like... Dallas decided that you might as well make it fun, or else it's going to be torture, you know? I mean, the Blacklock trails, I kept... It's funny because in my mind, I kept thinking, oh, by the time I get there, I'm going to be exhausted. and It's going to be the worst part. But then I was like, wait, what am I talking about? I'm just now about to hit the mountain bike trails. Fuck yeah. This is going to be fun. You know, <laughs> like uh, Blacklock trails are are pretty. It's a pretty awesome place to be able to even the fact that you can take your bike out there is is awesome. And you can get to some cool views when you get out to the actual Blacklock point view on the coastline. Like, it's definitely a, a cool spot. And there's sections where, yeah, you got to hike a bike and carry it over some down to logs. And then there's other sections where you can straight up kind of, you know, bomb downhill and stuff like that, as long as you're watching out for hikers and stuff. It's not mountain bike trails. Don't let people think that. Mm. It's literally just some single track and double track kind of trail system along the coast. But here's the thing. It's free. No one's ever there. And tell me where else H- hike out to to Blacklock Point and like look south to the lighthouse at Bl- at uh, Cape Blanco or look north to all the cliffs along Flores Lake and stuff. Where else can you see something like that where nobody's there and it's free? Yeah, and I think of I just think of them as mountain bike trails because I'm riding my mountain bike on them. But I guess you would call them just multi-use trails. Yeah, multi-use trails exactly. People hike them. People uh horseback on them people ride bikes part of the trail system there it part of the trails is part of the oregon coast beach route you know people that hike the beach the length of oregon they actually have to uh go up into black lock to get around black lock point and so hikers will actually camp out in it um it's a pretty cool spot i really like it tons of mushrooms and salamanders and it's like a mini little weird forest that shows a little different I don't know how to say it, different terrain, different kind of trees than some of the other places around here. Yeah, ecosystem. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing I would add to, Michael, that I don't think we really went in depth with in conversation, but when you didn't follow me up Langlois Mountain and your chain broke, I had no idea what was going on. Well, you know, it's funny is uh, at that point, I was telling all the story. So... I was feeling pretty good. I know what to expect on the road. So I know where it's hard and where it's easy. And so me and, and, and uh, Al is just fucking doing his thing like, you know, Lance Armstrong or something. But me and Dallas are just kind of doing this deal. And then I had this whole game plan, right? I was like, okay, I'm with Dallas right now, but I'm going to make my move on him when we get up here. And so I know that we're about to get to the spot where we're kind of like going to crest the top of the first major climb. 
and it's kind of flat and almost downhill, but kind of flat for a little while, right? I figured, okay, I'll stick right here with Dallas. And then I was trying to, I don't know if you noticed this, Dallas, I would like to know. Um, but I was kind of doing the opposite half wheel. Like, I'm trying to stay at your cranks to make you try to push harder to stay ahead of me. So I felt like you were doing that, but I, I don't really know. And so I started doing that. And then I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to let him like do this whole thing where he's in front of me and like I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. Right. And I thought I'll reserve my energy and I'll just kind of draft him right here. And then I'm going to make my move right at the end of the next climb because I know that we got some downhill. Right. And I can gap him on that little bit of a climb and gap him on the downhill. And as long as I can hold that, I got it. I got ahead of him. Well, yeah, my chain breaks. He's got music playing on his bike. I'm like, Dallas, he doesn't turn around. And then I thought, like, well, why the fuck am I even going to tell him? Like, you know, I'm not, I don't want him to stop because he's racing out now. Right. And so I'm like, my chain broke. I'm going to turn around or stuff like that. But he never even turned his head or nothing. Just kept on going. So I thought, oh, fuck it. You know, I'll see him when I come back. And uh, yeah. And then so Dallas later, when he finally finds me, he's like, fuck, dude, I thought something happened. Like, I didn't know what to do. So I'm like, oh, cool. So the race is more important than if something happened. What if I was laying in a ditch or something? It's a race. Well, that was the thing that happened is like, so when you're saying, yeah, we were both going up. I mean, at that point, we're so far or we just started the race. So it's not like I'm going to try to have any strategy or anything. Four miles into it. Yeah. It was more like, oh, me and him are just going to hang out for a bit. And so like, yeah, we're kind of side by side. I did notice you were kind of going back a bit and I'm going forward, but it was like, I'm not really going to, I was just trying to stay at your pace kind of thing. Um, but then at some point I was like, okay, I think I'm climbing a bit faster than him. So I'll see him probably on the downhill, like you said. And then it was like, okay, I'm, you know, maybe I climbed that pretty fast and maybe I went a bit faster on the downhill. And then I was kind of going actually slower on the downhill than normal, just cause it seemed kind of icy and slick. It was cold over when you got dropped back down. Um, but by the time I got way out to the end and then I'm just like, oh, and I, and then I saw, you know, Al coming back down. And so I get out to the end and I'm like, man, okay. And I don't, I don't see you back there. And I'm like, okay, I guess I might've gone a little bit faster, but then it was, I started to worry when I turn around and start mobbing down and I'm just like, okay, at this point I would see Michael. <laughs> and I just kept thinking that. And then I'm just like okay, something's definitely wrong. At this point, I would see Michael, you know? And it wasn't until I finally see your truck coming up the mountain. I'm like, okay, I think that's his truck. First, first off, I'm like, yeah, maybe his chain broke or something. But then I'm thinking like, you know, all sorts of things. It's like, you got cars coming down here. You don't want to get hit by a car. You, you could have hit some of that icy stuff going downhill. I don't, I don't even know. But I'm just like thinking, okay, we have no service. I'm way out here. I'm not going to know what happened until I get down this thing. Um, and then luckily I saw you, but I'm just, it's just crazy. Cause it's like, all I have is time to just think about this now. Right. <laughs> so just the, wh where my mind went that whole time, I'm just like, holy shit. So by the time I saw you, I'm like, you're alive. <laughs> my experience was I made it to the top of that last climb, turned around expecting to see you guys on the descent. I'm bombing down that thing, trying to keep on the road. And I'm, yeah, yeah, I come around the corner and I see your light uh, uh, and then see you. And as it went by, I thought, wait a minute, where was Mike? I'm so tired, I didn't even see. So I blew by it. I thought, man. So I rode from that point on to where I actually saw him uh, thinking, 
wow, I must have been a way over uh, over exertion there because I didn't see him. He didn't say hi. He did nothing. I was like, wow. And then all of a sudden, yeah. I see him way down uh, uh, at the top of the hill. I was like, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, oh, chain broke. That's all I could say because I had my head yeah. down while I was cranking. He's all, fuck. <laughs> kept on going by. It's not it he starts coming out. I'm filming on phone. At this point, I can see way up the road, right? And so I was like, you know, I'm just going to sit here and wait for him to come down. And all of a sudden, I saw him, and I get my phone, I film him. And then he comes, gets to me. He's like, what the fuck? What are you, what's up? And I'm like, my fucking chain broke. He's like, fuck. And just keeps, and just keeps on going down the hill. No, I think I told him not to stop, though. Like, I don't want, I don't want to stop. And then, so, yeah, that was, uh. That was fun. All I can say is all that time I was worrying about you, like that definitely drained some of my energy because I felt like by the time you told me and then I'm like, oh, wait, we're still doing this thing because I was like, didn't know what would what happen. And it's like, oh, no, me and Al are still racing. And I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> I think I had to tell you to go back on the bike because he pulled over. Yeah, yeah. Like the truck, and he's like, oh, shit, what the fuck happened? Oh, real quick, I'm like, oh, I fucking got my chain broke, blah, blah. blah. He's like, all right, right. So it's like, you gonna go or what? <laughs> Give me that camera. Go get the fuck out of here. And so I took the GoPro and he went on his way and just uh yeah, went ahead and did it. Hey, I'll tell you right now, Joe Delanglois, I'm very disappointed to not finish it, but I'm not that disappointed in not suffering all day. But the next one is gonna be the Butler Bar Robe, which is up in the area of Elk River, Laird Lake, and it's the same miles actually so you'll like that but it's got an extra thousand feet of climbing and this is all part of the rural coast race series so there's going to be three of these for the year right so you want to kind of give a a rundown of the rural coast race series is our little race series and it's kind of like a grassroots underground style there's no there's no booths there there's no you know it's just you just whoever wants to go race it with us right it's an opportunity to come out and test yourself against a known distance. Yeah. yeah. And you're really just racing yourself. I mean, you're riding with each other and you're kind of trying to race each other. But I mean, no matter what, it's one of those races where you're going to start off together and it's going to feel like a, hey, we're all racing out the gate. But at a certain point in this ride, I mean, depending on the school levels, it's going to just like spread out over the whole route and, and get long. So for 2023, the Rural Coast Race Series on the Southern Oregon Coast will start off with three routes. The Jody Langlois the Butler Bar Roubaix and another one that we're not saying yet. And so what it is, is your total elapsed time. So your rolling time and your break time, however long it takes you to do this whole day at the end of the year, all three of the routes get added up and the shortest time wins for 2024. I'm going to throw in a fourth route for 2025. We'll throw in a fifth route, right? We'll probably call it good there. But the routes will be spread out through the whole year, right? And so it's kind of like a, uh, if you look at it this way, you go ride your bike normal, right? In the idea that every, you know, two months or something, I'm going to do this big ass ride race. So every single day you're riding your bike, you can think, okay, well, like I'm training for this race. I'm riding, I'm having fun. I'm getting out there. I'm having fun. And then it's like, could I do this race now? Could I? Finish it now. We have very loose rules, so I'm sure someday we'll get one of those guys that, you know, cheats it. Da 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 da. There's no tire wheel regulations. Me and Dallas were both on 
mountain bike tires. Al took a gravel bike, probably why he won. But uh, and also that I had a, a bike issue. Well, and I was I was taking pictures the whole time, you know. So. And Dallas was drinking wine with horse girls, so you know. We don't talk about it, but I'm just saying there is reasons why someone could win with such a huge gap versus someone else, right? Okay, so come out, join the races, just have fun, and uh, and see if you can do it. I mean, self-supported. You got to carry your own stuff. You got to deal with your own stuff. And uh, we make all the routes on Ride with GPS, so you can download the route beforehand and study it beforehand, and yeah, just just for fun. And so most of my rides are geared towards everybody can come. This particular series of rides is geared towards people that want to go out and suffer all day. So the way that I think about it is I made it way easier for myself next time to beat my record. But Al, on the other hand, is going to have a hell of a time beating his record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's doable. I'm getting old. So we, we were talking about this, you know, Al just doesn't nothing, no route that we've made really. I mean, I can tell when he's like really tired, when, when, when it's been a long day, but I mean, I always ask him, he knows I ask him this, Al, you think you can put another thousand feet in? You think you can make, he's like, well, fuck if I had to. Yeah. But I would bitch and complain the whole time. Blah, blah, blah. So we got a ride coming up and the whole world needs to show up to this ride. I want people lining the whole course, right? Cause at some point we need cameras on Al when he gives up, but it's going to be called kill the goat. Al's the goat, you know? His saying is getting older and tougher than goat. And so my route is going to be kill the goat. And, and it's, it's going to be um, scientifically designed to make Al cry someday, sometime out there. I want, I want him on the side of the road giving up. And I told him, I said, this is going to be a route I'm going to give you. I don't want to hear nothing else about it. You can go ahead and look at it and don't do it. And I know you. So if you do that, you're gonna, it's going to haunt you. You're going to think about it forever. But if you go do it, I either want to see a, a Strava or a Ryu GPS thing sent to me, showing me that you did it, or I want a video sent to me of you giving up. I want Al quitting on video. It ain't going to happen. He's going to die before he quits on video. Al, the, the question I have for you, you think you could ever do... So think about how you felt at the end of the Jiro Delanglois. You think you could ever yo-yo that thing? Um, probably not. That's a long ways. Yeah. Do you think you can? <laughs> here's what I was asking him at the end. For a million dollars. Oh, a million dollars. I could probably be convinced to try. But okay. I would have to definitely start a lot slower. Yeah. Yeah. No time limit. He's three weeks to do it. Um, here's what I was saying to him. Um, because Hal, when I'm trying to interview him right when he's done with the bike, he's like, yeah, kind of feeling like I need to just not move because I'm going to cramp. I was thinking. <laughs> What if you had to do the whole race and then at the finish line, you had to do one round of the game twister Remember with the colors and you have to spin it and like put your legs and your arms in weird spots. God, sometimes after long rides, I don't know if you guys get this, but like in my truck after a long ride, you drive all the way home, you know, you ride, 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 ride. And all of a sudden you get in your truck and you just sit and drive home that first initial, like open the door and swing your leg out and step out. Um, that's one of those ones you got to be careful with sometimes. Yeah. You got to play twister and no electrolytes allowed. Yeah, oh, man. no pickle juice, no nothing like that. Just get off the bike and do it. You know, there's going to be some guys that are watching this who are like, yeah, I'm stud guy, you know, and I can, these guys suck. I can shotgun a beer in five seconds. Yeah. You know, it, and bring them out. Let's ride with them. 
Yeah, let's shotgun 10 beers in 50 seconds. Oh, uh, no. Oh, okay. I mean... I'm not talking about the beer shotgun. You already proved okay. your skills on that. Okay? <laughs> We're talking about the damn ride. Okay. My I want those guys to show up just so I can make a really hard one because it's like... You guys ever shotgun a box of wine, though? On horseback? No. What's funny is, like, we ran into those girls in the store after. They're like, wait, you're the guy that was on the bike. He's like, he's all dazed and confused from this <laughs> long-ass ride. Like, what? Who are you? We run the horses. That's the thing. You get done with this ride, and you're like, fuck, I got to talk to people now? Damn it. That, that's funny, because it reminded me so much when you, we were talking, when you said that exact thing with the ride. And I was thinking, okay, I don't feel tired, because I've just been hanging out all day, but you guys do. But I remember when, when um, we went and rode a bike camping trip in Powers last year. It was a test ride for the actual bike camping trip. And we know some people that let us park at their house. <laughs> And we get back just dead, right? Me, Kenny, and Al, that's who it was. And we had this, like, mini race on the way back with our bikes all loaded and shit. So we get back, just toasted, been all day, two days riding, blah, blah, blah. Man, this lady just wants to talk my ear off, right? You guys want to come in and have lunch or dinner? And Oh, my God, you want to see You want to see our new, our new um, Airbnb we're building in the back? And I'm just like, lady, like, you don't understand what kind of danger zone you're in right now. I am done with talking. I want to get these fucking shoes off and I want to go have fucking dinner. Okay. And it's, you are in my way right now. <laughs> it was kind of one of those deals. Yeah. So I understand what you're, t- what you're feeling like. It's hard to talk to people. What if you had to do a test? How about for Al? He loves taking tests. What if you had to take a hardcore test right after doing one of these rides? What if Michael handed you a survey? Like, what'd you think yeah. of the yeah. 118 <laughs> no, think... question survey? <laughs> I, I think I didn't have oxygen in my brain long enough that it, every answer would be A. Color in A, A, A. Yeah. But that's true or false. A, A. It's like, no, but see, mine wouldn't be no multi choice question. I would want like a little mini paragraph written out. I was like, I, I just think, overall, I don't fucking care. Die in here. Yeah. If you, if you put A on each one, that doesn't get you an A. That's not how you get an A. Oh. Now, here's the difference in that race, though. You know, Al went all out. He put it in. He put in the work to set the fastest known time on the Jody Langlois. Cheers to that. Yeah, congratulations, Al. Well, the next day, me and Alice went for me, me and Dallas went for a bike ride in Coos Bay. And we're climbing hills and shit too. My, my recovery ride was on the couch. I called that a Taco Bell recovery ride. So uh, yeah, it was. <sighs> it was worth it. Since we're talking about the Southern Oregon Coast, let's talk about this. They got a brand new Taco Bell in Coos Bay, right? They just built this new Taco Bell. So me and Dallas put our bikes over to it to get Taco Bell for lunch. The new way in Taco Bell, I'm pretty sure from what I've observed, is you would normally walk into Taco Bell and go to like a register area and some lady or some guys there and they're like, hey, welcome to Taco Bell. Okay, they don't want to do that no more. They want you to go to these little screens that like you order your own menu. So like young people walk in. Luckily, when me and Dallas walked in, there was a couple people in line. So it just kind of continued that way. But when we're eating, some young people walk in and they go right up to the little machine, order their meal, sit down. These old people are like standing around like, uh, where the hell is the person at? To the point where they had to finally ask somebody like, hey, can you come take our order? Or like, oh, wait, you want us to physically take your order? Like, that's weird. The machine's right there. Yeah. Weren't they like standing right in front of them? They didn't even realize there was like a screen. right Yeah. There. They were just standing like waiting for the person to come, not realizing the screens are behind them. Yeah. Yeah. So modern day technology, man, not everyone's ready for it, you know? Soon you're going to walk into a Taco Bell and there's going to be no one in there and you're just going to be like... Like robots making tacos. You have to speak to the open air like, 
I'd like a <laughs> seven layer burrito and I'll just like drop from the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, Come out of a shoot. <laughs> yeah. But in Coos Bay, what's really cool is um, for bikes, we rode through the little Mingus Park, which is not like super cool for bikes, but I bet it's cool on a day when not really much people are there. Because like there's all kinds of little trails and stuff that you could totally rip down, but you got to watch out because people can be walking on them, right? But we went through the Empire Lakes trails, and it's like a whole paved trail system that you know ride through these little woods and on the lakes. Now, uh, super fun. Would I let my kid go there by themselves? Probably not, because there's some shady looking characters running around in the woods out there. But it was totally fun. I mean, we rode through it. There's a whole trail system and in some gorgeous looking lake in the woods. And it's crazy to think this is like right in the middle of Coos Bay. Yeah, it's, you know, just moving here. I'll have to kind of explore more. I just I like that Coos Bay is at least central to going out and exploring a lot of these parts of the southern Oregon coast. So I'll be excited to, you know, see more of it. We'll have to send you up uh, up into Allegheny and kind of like the the other way into Elliott. Oh, yeah. The closest way in Elliott from Coos Bay, because uh, you could totally make like a, a pretty good day ride into that. Yeah. Have, have you have you run across the locals saying that they're from the Bay Area? It says Oregon's Bay Area and stuff, but. Except for he's from California, too, so it's weird. I think I think Bay Area is like so I think almost everyone assumes you mean the California Bay Area when you say Bay Area, because I know I've gone around Oregon and I'll say that I moved from the Bay Area like, you know, five years ago or whatever. He's like, I moved from the Bay Area to Coos Bay. And they're like, sick. No, <laughs> no. Like when I lived in Eugene, I would tell people I moved from the Bay Area. And I don't think any of them thought I meant Coos Bay, you know. But everybody well, in Coos uh, Bay thinks But in that. Coos Bay, if you say Bay Area, that's what I've noticed. Like When I first found out about the Bay Area, when I first moved here and I heard Bay Area, I think I have the same thing. I just assumed like the San Francisco Bay Area, right? And then... There's actually a Bay Area. And then when I saw the sign for it, we're driving or something. I told Tosh, I'm like, look at this fake ass Bay Area. Let's go see what it's all about. But it's like not, you know, I'm, I can only expect what I know of the Bay Area, right? And you go through this little section of, you know, Coos Bay Area. So it's kind of funny. I'm getting kind of used to it. But to put it into perspective, Coos Bay is like 16,000 population. And then right adjacent to it is North Bend. I mean, they're technically two separate townships and I think North Bend is 10,000 people. So you have like nearly 30,000 people in this little Bay area. Right. And so it's the biggest, most populated town on the Oregon coast. So that's kind of crazy to think how rural it actually is. So us down here. So we're South of that. I'm in Bandon, Al's and Langlois. Um, all of everyone else that doesn't live in Coos Bay uses Coos Bay because it's the major city. It's the place where the doctor's offices are at. It's the place where more stores and food and bigger grocery stores and all that kind of stuff is at. So it is kind of a uh, like a hub, right? And they have the big shipping stuff going on there, the wood mills and and all that kind of stuff. But um, I was really excited when Dallas moved there because. I haven't really had the opportunity to ride a lot in Coos Bay. So it's fun to now have Dallas there that's exploring it and can tell us like, hey, I found this something cool and also have a place that we can go to and be like, hey, let's go ride here, you know? And it's fun because riding in Bandon, what's Bandon now? Like 3,000 people or something? 5,000 people? 36, yeah. 38. Yeah. So it feels like a small town. 
especially to me who came from the Bay Area in California. Um, but so when I go to Coos Bay, it was fun because we got to go ride in this kind of city vibe, you know, see the streets and the cars and, you know, and have more infrastructure. So I, I had a good time. When you ride in Bandon, you're riding in a neighborhood. It's just one neighborhood. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, their downtown area is would, would be a, a small shopping mall in a large city. Oh, downtown. It's funny, too, when we see tourists. Wait, that's downtown? Well, we call it Old Town. So, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and they're like, wow. It's funny because, like, you know, where I'm from in San Jose, downtown San Jose is, like, fucking the size of Bandon, right? With more people in it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun. Bandon's cool. I like Bandon. Um, I enjoy it. There's a lot of things I don't like about Bandon. You know, we're, we're talking about the Southern Oregon Coast right now and all good stuff, right? What about the bad stuff? What did you not expect when you moved to the coast? So for being someone that's only been here for like a week or two or a couple of weeks. The thing I would say right now is one thing I was going to say with Coos Bay is that you're actually a little bit more inland. I mean, you're next to like the bay front, the bay. But if you actually want to go to the beach and see the ocean, you're actually, you know, a 20 minute drive from going to like Charleston or some of that. And then in Bandon, you're kind of right next to it. Um, but yeah, I think once you get out on the coast and you're actually here and you're living here, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see some of this area develop. I think there is, you know, just like a lot of towns have issues with. Look at Al walking over here. He's like, I've lived here for fucking 99 years. Language <laughs> yeah. is the same fucking yeah, town yeah. it was when I was born yeah. here. Well, I, I mean, in the 60s, I'll wait for it. To I'm in Coos Bay. So, I mean, I'm literally, you know, out my window, I can see the Bayfront Plaza that's being developed. Like, I'm in an area where it's being actively developed because it's literally central to the most the biggest most populated town on the coast we were just talking about earlier today and i think al would agree with this um with that whole new riverfront thing going in down there don't you think that that will spark more development because it's, it's modern and new yeah. yeah it's it's taken all those old docks in in mill areas and it's it's you know that have died over time because the lumber industry has definitely changed and it's actually putting more services right there in that area, easily accessible. So Starbucks. It, it's a it's urban renewal on the Oregon scale. You know. Yeah. Yeah. When you're asking me, you know, yes, there's a spectrum between like, oh, there's all these great things as far as, you know, when people think of the Oregon coast and Oregon in general, there's tons of scenic things and, and places to adventure. And that's why I moved here. That's why we love we love exploring out here. And not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but me and my wife were just talking about this, that you see all this glamorization on whether it's TV, social media of living off the grid or living in tiny homes or that kind of thing. And, you know, I'm not going to live in the middle of nowhere with no amenities. I'm not going to live in a tiny little house. So now we're living in a small house on this rural coastline. Where, yeah, we have less things, but hey, I can walk down the street and go to a brewery or I can, you know, I can find the bare necessities. But again, I'm not living like literally in the middle of nowhere off the grid. So I think you have to be a little bit more independent and you don't have as many of the things. But hey, if you were glamorizing all this off the grid independent living, like right now, it's like, okay, we get a little bit more of a balance where we're going to be seeing how it is to live a little bit more in that direction you know yeah like not being in eugene where you can have every restaurant every store within like i could just drive to it right now because i need to go get it right 
And now you get kind of used to the fact that, like, like in Coos Bay or Bandon, like, we're not, we're in a rural community, but even in our rural community has less in the stores and the restaurants than a lot of other stuff has, right? So that's, like, what I don't like about it here is I, I have, like, this huge thing where I hate the grocery stores in Bandon. Like, they're just the worst grocery stores I've ever seen. And, you know, but again, I came from California, right? So it's probably got, like, the best grocery stores you've ever seen or something. So, but it's it's hard to get what, you, what you're what you used to getting if you come from somewhere else sometimes, uh, like in the grocery stores. One thing I did get used to is, like, we have, like, like if you're a builder or something, and you're going to build something at your house, when we were in the Bay Area, I can go, whatever I'm working on, I could build a fucking spaceship in my backyard and get the parts today, right? Well, you get kind of used to, like, well, it's not as important as I thought it was to get this thing done right now because I have to wait for the wood to show up or something right and so you kind of get this idea like it's not everything wasn't as emergency as i thought it was so it's, that's kind of um, different i'm gonna say the availability of services like that um yeah really really defines a rural area area in general so uh the material for example is you know almost anything's available next thursday yeah so, um, it might be available here might be available next thursday you know um, they had the distribution center. It's just not here in the small store that they have. Yeah. Um, and that goes for materials. Uh, you want to go out to eat breakfast? You know, your choices of like two, maybe three places to get a breakfast. Not, not you know, 30 or 40 or what, what taqueria do I like best? It's like, oh, man. Is there a taqueria? You know, God. Uh, so. <laughs> the uh, nearest taco, the, the best <laughs> The nearest authentic Mexican taco, I figured this out. The nearest authentic Mexican taco is like 200 plus miles to their direction. So, yeah, it's rough. So, so if, you, if, you, if you want to come for fish and chips, seafood, freaking awesome, right? You can get as much seafood as you can, you can take. But if you want to come for like a really good taqueria, you're going to have to make it at home. Well, that, that's a lot of people who come from, uh, say, a large uh, population-based area, right? Some uh, big urban um, environment uh, to this re- rural environment. It's like, oh, I'm just going to run to Costco and get it. Well, yeah. how far is the nearest Costco? Two hours? Hour, hour and 45 minutes, yeah. You know? <laughs> or, or I'm going to go to Lowell's or Home Depot. Hey, those big box stores aren't here. You know, so you know, they're pushing a lot of services and becoming like a one-stop shop for a lot of things. But they're not here, so. Yeah. Um, but you have to, I would you have give to up. Find where you're going to find something. I would still. I'll, I'll complain about the food and stuff, but I would give up all these restaurants and trade for what we get to go ride our bikes in, or what we get to go camping in and look at and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I like cooking and and that kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, you got to get more creative now. I'm used to kind of having more limited options. Limited. It's more of losing <laughs> Coos Bay. Yeah. No. Come on, Al. Tell him what it's like. He's got Walmart, Grocery Outlet, all those numerous, uh, what do they call those other stores? Yeah. Um, no, what I was going to say is like, you know, finding vegan things on a menu. Usually it's more like, okay, they have one vegan thing. I guess that's what I'm getting. And so one way to think about it is, less options means less fatigue about making a decision because it's like, Oh, if I want Mexican food, I guess I'm going to the only Mexican food that's available. (laughs) We found out in Taco Bell that about like, you know, it's like a picture of a burrito or taco, like really big down in the little corner. It'll say 
you know, beans available or something like that. And I was joking with with uh, Dallas saying, like, in his future, it'd be the opposite. It'd be like this huge vegan menu and all the meat eater people or all the people that are non-vegan would have to, like, find this little tiny box that's like, yeah, we have a, a, a hot dog and, you know, like a little tiny section, uh, like the opposite, right? Hey, but you got Taco Bell, okay? We don't got Taco Bell in fucking Bandit. You ain't got Taco Bell in Lingloys. So, some people don't know this, but you can still, it's not like advertised, but you go to Taco Bell and you can order something and ask for it fresco style. And they still know what that means. I guess they must have a button, but it pretty much means they'll take off <laughs> all the dairy and they'll add pico de gallo on it. And so I just, I'll usually get the cheesy bean and rice burrito, ask for it fresco style. I'll add potatoes and get it grilled. So they actually grill the burrito and they need to just add that thing to the menu because I'll order it all the time. And I got the new one that has the nacho cheese in the taco, right? <laughs> we should just call this episode Taco Bell. <laughs> but we're getting grocery outlet in Bandon. Yeah. At least that's what I've heard for the last three years. I mean, I think there's people that hate on grocery outlet, but I kind of like that for one, you know, things rotate there. So it's almost like every time you go there, there's different things. You know, things are on sale. You can kind of go through and see what the best deal is. And yeah, it's like you're not wasting stuff. It's stuff that, yeah, other places might end up throwing out and stuff. But if you can get creative and resourceful with it, you can find a lot of things there. So I'm a fan. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a friend that calls it the used food. And like that just sounds bad. Yeah, <laughs> used food. It's my used food store. <laughs> Why is the can open? <laughs> It's uh, it's one of those. He, he has a terrible name for it, but he still shops there. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've been to some of those places where it's like, yeah, this all fell off the truck. Like all the cereal boxes are all dented up, and <laughs> yeah, they're just reselling. Better than McKay's. Yeah, McKay's and Bandon sucks. I hope somebody in McKay's and Bandon's watching this. <laughs> Not really. They're great. I love Bandon. You know, some days are harder than others, though. So we were going to call this episode the Southern Oregon Coast. I think we have a lot that we can talk about in an episode like that. There's a lot of things around here. You know, we didn't even talk about the Whiskey Run trails yet or anything like that. I think we'll save we'll save something like that later on down the road. I think this episode, you know, we talked a lot about the Giro de Langlois and the Rural Coast Race Series. So I think that's kind of a highlight here. We'll keep this one a little bit shorter. Um, but Michael, I wanted to end on... You know, we have this whole year ahead of us and we're just now hopefully getting done with winter. We're ready for spring and summer. We're ready for the sun to come out. Um, you know, one thing that's nice is out here on the Southern Oregon coast, when summer comes, the sun does come out a lot. And so what are the bike events looking like? I know we have, you know, plans again, you can go to bikebandon.com. We're going to be putting more information about upcoming events. I have made a whole list of events for the whole year. Now, we have made some dates. Now, we're not putting all the dates out the whole year because we need to make sure that we don't have to move everything around and accommodate other bike events and weather and stuff. So about every month or two, we'll be putting out the dates on stuff. Now, it's wintertime, so we're kind of falling behind on that. But, hey, it's wintertime out here. Um, so we're doing a bikepacking trip a month, at least one bikepacking trip a month, which can be anywhere from an overnighter, so a two-day, one night up to a week-long trip, six nights, seven days, right? Uh, we're doing mostly bikepacking-style stuff, mixed terrain, paved, gravel, trail, da da We have some almost all paved, and we also have some almost all uh, off-road, okay? Um, 
not all of them are extremely hard. We do have some real hard ones coming, but hard meaning that there is some, so you're going to put in some work on your bike to get to the best place that we can find. Okay. So worth it. And then we have some really easy stuff. We are doing um, backyard bike camping trips this year, two of them. So, you know, that's our easy trips to local state parks to get people into riding bikes. We have the World Coast Race Series, three different races going on. There's two more left. We've done one of them. We have uh, numerous rides with the Adventure Cycling Association, Bike Your Park Weekend. Um, we're doing, again, the Swift Overnight Campout. So we do it during the summer solstice, go camping. Pedal to the Peak. Pedal to the Peak Series. We have two rides in the year that ride to our Coos and Curry County highest peaks. So on April 1st, we're going to the Coos highest peak, which is we're going to be riding out of Powers. So that's just a day ride. We're going to park in Powers at a restaurant, ride out this ride up to a spot where we're going to finally hit a trailhead that you're going to have to hike a bike, your bike up the trailhead to the peak, get to the top, hike a bike back down, take the road ride back, and then we'll, we'll go to that restaurant after um, drinks and, and dinner and kind of stuff. Um, we have some road tours coming up next month. We're doing a three-day micro tour. I have two micro tours planned this year, one from Florence to Bandon, um, combination of our own route and the uh, Pacific Coast route. We have another one going from Bandon to Brookings, and so that one will be another one combination of our own kind of route mixed with the Pacific Coast route. Uh, just a fun paved tour and stuff. What else? I feel like I'm missing other rides. We have uh, one oh, day ad- rides. One adventure, yeah, adventure rides yeah. once a month. We have a, a day-long adventure ride, a day packing or adventure ride. We're calling it adventure ride or day packing ride. And uh, basically, it's a, a one-day ride, uh, a loop-style route that will go in a really cool area. Um, now, we have I have all these routes already saved on my ride with GPS. A lot of them are on private. So every time we do the route... It then goes public, right? We're going to say, hey, we're going on, like, say, the 10th and going and doing this adventure ride. Come join us. Well, then I'm going to put that route public and say it's open. So we go do it. We show it off. Me and Dallas um, work to make a logo for it, like a badge for it, kind of like give it a symbol. Um, when we go do these rides, we take video and pictures to, to kind of showcase this route with uh, social media and YouTube and stuff. And then also have pictures on the ride with GPS. I do my best. I am a bicycle mechanic, but I'll do a write-up for each ride, trying to tell you about the ride. But I read these write-ups on people's rides, and I hate when it's telling me, like, I don't even need to ride the damn ride. I just read the whole thing about it. You know, I tell me every single special thing about it. So I specifically don't say every little thing. I do everything that's major, so you're not going to go off track and shit. But I'm not going to tell you where every cool little waterfall is at. You're going to find it on the route. So there's still adventure, right? And then we have some other rides. We have some local stuff going. We have the Bandon Bike Party. Yep. So April through September on the second Friday of the month, 7 p.m. on the boardwalk in Bandon. We do a fun community bike ride. We have all of us that show up. We have kids, grandparents, neighborhood people, just all kinds of people show up on whatever bike they got. Beach cruisers, uh, electric bikes, one-wheel skateboards, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. Training wheels. We had a four-year-old on training wheels do a whole ride and uh, was jamming on them, too. So we do that, and then we also do the the Fiddler's bike ride. So in uh, Bullard's Beach State Park in Bandon in the summertime, like every other week, 
the local old time fiddlers club plays like a free concert there. And so we know a guy that plays in it. So we thought, let's go ride a bike to it. And we just did as for fun one night to go check it out and decided like, this is cool. And we enjoyed it. And it's nothing really. I mean, we just ride, you know, two miles across the bridge to Bullard's and go into a little amphitheater in the woods and listen to these people jam out on, you know, acoustic guitars and harmonicas and violins and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And then we ride back. But it's all fun. And so there's a lot of stuff planned for this upcoming year. It's all going to be open to the public. Last year, we did a lot of stuff where we're trying to build routes. Right. So a lot of it was private. We just showed everybody about it. And this year we're saying, hey, come ride with us. Come have fun. And we have um, we've met some new people already. Um, we have lots of people that I'm interacting with online that are, hey, we're going to come join you this summer. Da, 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 da. Um, so we're just hoping to, you know, the whole goal was to ban- to build an adventure cycling community and scene here on the southern Oregon coast. Um, and I think it's working. If you if you can get to the coast. Hit Ben and Bicycle Works up. Figure out what's going to happen during the time you're going to be here. And join us. Yeah, come ride with Al. You know, I get people. I get people that don't even know us. That literally are like, like we'll go on a a ride or something, and I don't post a Hey Al scene, and they ask about it. Like, why didn't you guys do a Hey Al? <laughs> and it's like, shit. All right, so we got our celebrity Al over here. Ugly Al the bike packer on Instagram. Yeah, follow Ugly Al the Bikepacker on Instagram. Um, he just added that, and we'll be adding more content, I hope. And just so we clear the thing up, this is not a house he lives in. You know, you can put a filter, like, on your background. This is a filter he found of a cabin. He actually lives on his bike, just bike packs full-time. Yeah, so uh, like Al said, you know, if you plan on coming out to the southern Oregon coast this summer, or if you're a local stop on by Ben and Bicycle Works. Any time of the year that you think you might be coming out, you can go to bikebandon.com and, and look at the info on there or stop by the shop and just ask Michael, hey, what's the next ride coming up? Like, I want to join you guys. And he can let you know what the next options would look like if you're going to be nearby. Or email us through the website, call us, send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. I will reply. And yeah, we're, we're open to anybody. Well, let's take that back. Okay. Who are we not open to? We don't want jerks, right? We don't want no tool bag guys. Or no just like, assholes allowed. You guys. Yeah, no assholes. What else? Just generally fun people, right? The only role is you got to have fun with us. Yeah. Yep. And uh, just you got to smile. You got to, you have to smile the entire time. <laughs> Well, we're pretty laid back and chill. Like, hey, I think people sometimes... Racing, then there's no smiling. Yeah, Al's ruthless. He was doing something to my bike before the ride. I thought he was just helping me out by getting out of the truck. And then... That was my favorite quote from the... Uh, when you guys were asking me about... Oh, it was it was when we were about to head out on the race. And you, and I said, I'm going to have fun until I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm <Yeah>. not. <laughs> yeah. Al's like, I'm here to fucking win. Al is like... Um, so Dallas... He, he, you know, he's like, I'm just going to have fun and be a nice guy to everybody, right? Al's like when you watch like the UFC match and they put the two guys next to each other and one guy's like real calm and collected. Their guy's just like getting held back and like trying to fight and shit. That's Al. He told us, he warned us. He said, don't, don't, don't make a race. 
Don't put, a, like, well, don't put the word race in there. It screws yeah. me up. He's like, I, we were friends before all this, and now... <laughs> he said the only thing worse you can do is give him a number. You give him a number? Oh, God. Take it to the max. Let me pull this up. So we actually got a comment sent in through on our last starter pack, uh, the Bags and Racks one. So on our starter pack for Bags and Racks, we got a comment through Spotify. So this one's for Mike. There is an adapter now to transfer fuel from one canister to another called Flip Fuel. You can use a scale also to determine the fuel capacity left in the canister. I think I remember seeing something about that, but I didn't really look into it too much. Are you guys familiar with that? So wait, you could take two small canisters and take fuel from one into the next one or take gas from a big tank and put it into the little small canister. I think it's like a little adapter mechanism that can go onto it so that you can transfer it from other one. I'm really glad that someone brought that up because I have like five or six like almost empty cans that I'm worried about taking because they're almost empty. And at the same time, I don't want to carry an extra can just to carry it around, you know? So I could probably take all those cans and like make one can. Yeah, I'm going to look into that. So whoever um, said that, thank you. Yeah, keep them, keep them coming. Because I mean, there's so much news out there in the industry of all, you know, because it, it goes from bike gear, bike news to camping gear, camping news, all this, you know, we have a whole bunch of stuff coming out and some of it's, you know, it's kind of hard to know until people have really put it to the test. Cause it's like, until then all you have is like the marketing spiel that you get. Um, obviously everyone's going to promote it. And yeah, they, they have a lot of these um, publishers and journalists that do get to test the product ahead of time and give you their experience. But until you've, I think, you know, at mass kind of had a lot of people that have used it and know how dependable it is and, and if it's actually worth the money and all that stuff. I think that's kind of where what we're doing with the starter pack. We've all tested stuff, you know, for a few years and and we've kind of changed some things. And so I think that's what's nice when. And if you're watching this and you work for a company or have a company that makes cool stuff, send it to us. We'll test yeah, it. We'll test it out. We'll give you an honest review. Okay. That's what's going to set us apart from any other review yeah. online. Okay. You could pay me to do a review but I'm still going to give you my honest review and just. Hey, you can send us something, but just make sure it's not a piece of shit. Cause we'll tell you if it's, <laughs> we'll tell, ev we'll tell everyone it if it's a be piece of shit. Cool as fuck <laughs> and not a piece of shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to get anyone sending anything. They're too, they're too scared now. <laughs> yeah. yeah we that, challenge that, you make something good enough for us. Make it out of titanium. I'm just like a, a, a cat. If something shows up, I'll probably play with the cardboard box. I mean, you can carry shit in a box. <laughs> Let's talk about here's yeah. something that we should talk about, dude. So that's hey. a that's a video right there. Box reviews, like you get this brand new thing, but then it's like I'm going to tell you all about the. I'm going to review yeah, the packaging box. material, <laughs> the not the product, just but like the yeah. quality they put into it, right? Yeah. But uh, um, at some point on this podcast, we should talk about like 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 your your habits during your ride or something like that, right? And so Al can talk about how he picks up fucking steel, like metal, and. But it's sometimes can't it's leave that. It, but it's funny because I'm like, hey, Al, you see that hook? He's like, yeah, it's not big enough. I'm like, we were just talking about metal detectors earlier today. So, Al, you got to take a metal detector with you, you know? If you, can, you can't see it, when it looks you're for riding, roadside it's, treasures. It's too small. <laughs> so, change. I, I will stop for change. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring change next time that I can just toss like in front of you. That'll slow him down on the race. I'll do that. 
you need to get like uh eye bolts and uh you know pieces of steel beam from buildings and huge chains anything that's heavy and big he'll pick it up i don't know why yeah that's that's why he needs that trailer i i told him we should take the trailer with us when we go down to brookings he didn't want to take it you gotta take it so you can carry all of our shit for us i don't want to carry anything <laughs> that's what i'm saying he said i said you don't have to take a bunch of firewood he's like well then what's the purpose of the damn trailer I'm like well you got a point we should take a bunch of firewood i'd love to see him just hauling everything and then we're both on like these lightweight bikes just like hopping off stuff like hell yeah this is a lot of fun beach cruisers <laughs> yeah. hey uh, uh follow on to that is uh sandy's will will pick us up and, and okay. get us back up here so we have room for four bikes and four people yep okay so are we in agreement that i should call charles and invite him for this yeah 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 he's okay. done one he can do a million at this point well and, and this is not a hard one Right. So it's all downhill, right? Absolutely. Just from from, ba- from Bandon to Brookings is just all downhill. Yeah. I looked at the map. It looks like You're going it's going south. Straight down. <laughs> you go south, isn't that downhill? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Man, you make yeah. it sound easy. As long as you don't live in Texas. We know what happens. Hey, if we have any Texas viewers, we know how you guys ride, so don't come to our rides. We had one guy. <laughs> one guy was not ready for our hills. He speaks for I'm, Texas. Hey, I'm not ready for their heat either. So I'm ready for their Southwest enchilada meals. Oh, uh, that Mexico? sounds pretty good. Oh, hell yeah. Oh yeah. Some corn. I'm definitely chili. not ready for big old lifted trucks and diesel smoke and, you know, that's all right. The stu- here, all, man. all the stuff we have here. All right. Well, thanks again for joining guys. I think we'll end this one here, but uh, lastly, Al, do you have any final words of wisdom that we can leave the listeners with. Maybe not wisdom, but I think racing, I'm kind of, it puts me in a whole different mindset, but it's probably important to go out and test yourself now and then just to see where you're at and your limits. You know, that way, you know, you can always go farther, do more. So come out and ride with us. 99% of the time, if it doesn't say race, we're not dropping you. We're just here to have fun, whether it's an adventure ride or an overnighter or multi-day. It's a group ride. Hell yeah. Yeah, we're not always racing, but when we do, we have fun with that as well. So thanks again, guys. I'll see you on the next one. Later. West Coast, peace out. Okay.